I'm Luke Kennedy with the McCain Institute, and you're in the arena with leaders and citizens who are taking character-based action. I'm in the arena with Katja Smogli. She's a McCain Institute Next Generation Leader from Ukraine, uh, pretty close to finishing up her year with us. Katja, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much, Luke, for having me. Um, let's go right into what your action plan is. I mean, you're a next generation leader, but you're a leader right now uh, taking action. Uh, you worked in Ukraine. You're going to go back to Ukraine. What are you trying to do? Well, in Ukraine, I am a member of the National Civil Society Organization, which is called Ukrainian Fulbright Circle. We unite almost 1,000 scholars nationwide who've been in the United States on their Fulbright uh, fellowships. And um, while I was uh, working as director of the Kennan Institute in Ukraine, we initiated a, a very interesting project, which was called uh, Schools of Leadership and Democracy for the Students of Displaced Universities. The project was supported by the U.S. Embassy in Ukraine and a number of other donors uh, who which allowed us to bring almost 130 students from displaced universities to two-week uh, seminars uh, mostly based in Kiev but also in Lviv. Uh, what uh, when you give me a sample of what displaced universities well, when the when uh, the Russian troops basically attacked Donbass, and when the separatist movement started over there in the east of Ukraine in uh, 1914, the government of Ukraine, upon uh, request of professors and students in Donetsk Oblast and Lugansk Oblast, uh, um, allowed to move. 16 universities to the territories which are currently controlled by the Ukrainian government. Uh, and so those students who have the status of internally displaced uh, persons uh, require a lot of attention, not only from the government, but also from ordinary citizens of Ukraine, from scholars right. uh, nationwide who want to support those universities, because as you understand, they lost all their assets, which are currently controlled by the separatists. Some of them, some of the professors moved with very little uh, on them, you know, with only maybe a suitcase. Uh, they left their apartments and houses at the territory which is now not controlled by the government of Ukraine. So these universities were in a very dire economic, uh, social, cultural, and humanitarian uh, situation. They have no libraries, uh, very little computers, uh, uh, other academic equipment. And so this project was uh, meant not only to provide them with academic support, you know, but to boost their spirit and to help those students understand that they can be leaders in any situation, no matter how hard and challenging it is. So, you know, you're involved with what you call public and cultural diplomacy, but that's kind of the specifics in that. And I believe you said 1914. You probably didn't mean 1914. I meant did you? 2014. Yes. Sorry. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so that uh, work uh, caught our attention, and you applied to be part of our program. And uh, a little bit of what you've learned. Uh, you've been at Arizona State University's Public Service Academy for your placement. Um, well, let's pick up there. Uh, how has that been helpful or interesting to you? Well, the Arizona State University 
impressed me very much with the scale of the project that they do with a with a different type of innovative projects which had been implemented under uh, President Crow's leadership. You know, the very scale of this project they, they blow me away because I had never seen a university in my life, and I've been to a number of uh, academic centers both in the United States and Canada and Europe. I graduated from the university in the United Kingdom, but I had never seen a university which had succeeded in its growth so fast and so effectively. So the Public Service Academy is also kind of a new kid on the block. It, as you know, it was established only four years ago with an understanding that the Arizona State University should develop a new cohort of leaders who will know how to operate in different sectors. So they teach cross-sector leadership, uh, social entrepreneurship, um, other courses which uh, boost students' understanding that they are citizens of this country and no matter what they do in their professional life they should always be ready to step up to keep america strong uh, and its institution viable well <laughs> you, you can tell from your response you've immersed yourself in the public service academy but what did that kind of look like day to day did you go to different classes work with the leadership well for my primary task was to understand how to set up a similar program in ukraine upon my return so i had to study all the components which are currently in place those as an academic component. I looked at all the courses that are being taught to the students of Public Service Academy. Then I looked at the internship component because over the four years of their studies within PSA, students take three internships in three sectors, which is a nonprofit sector, government sector, and business sector. And finally, I looked at how students work on 30 mission teams. You know that as of today, the Public Service Academy has 600 students. For me, it is an incredibly high number. I, I was constantly amazed by how effectively the Public Service Academy can cooperate and um, manage, you know, this great number of students. This is a big, uh, rather big number, as you understand, with such a small yeah. number of staff that they currently have on the ground. So I looked at what students do on the mission teams and how they um, uh, cooperate with each other on implementing the individual uh, leadership action plans, which uh, I can certainly use when I go back to my country and uh, look how to develop leadership programs in Ukraine. So out there to model and relationships. I, I saw you in action at Arizona because this is a two-way uh, street. I mean, you were on a panel uh, before the recent Ukraine uh, presidential elections, uh, I think fair enough, predicting or sharing uh, the uh, landscape, the political economic uh, landscape and the, the 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 student union. You did a couple of uh, panels there. One with the Phoenix uh, Committee of Foreign Relations, but what, where I saw you was in the student union, and it was full uh, of students. And really, nobody left till they had to for their uh, next class. And not just because there was pizza, because you were breaking <laughs> down uh, what was happening in, in Ukraine with a few colleagues and somebody I believe from the foreign ministry as well. What was that like? How how have students? Uh, kind of approached you. I would imagine not every student you run across at Arizona State instantly knows Ukraine. Well, I was very happy that I could bring a little bit of Ukraine to Arizona. I've met a lot of Ukrainians over there. I realized when our ambassador from Ukraine, Ambassador Charlie, came to Arizona, he met with a small but very strong community of Ukrainian diaspora over there. And it is really amazing that now at Arizona State, students can even learn Ukrainian. This is a very new initiative, which is run by the Malikan Center of Russian, Eurasian, and East European Studies. This is very unique. Because 
because typically uh, Ukrainian language is offered by big names, schools like Harvard, Princeton, uh, Stanford, you know, but the fact that you have it in Arizona may potentially turn the Arizona State University into um, a center of regional studies, you know, of Ukrainian studies, right in the uh, middle of the such a big country as the United States of America. So there was a lot of interest in Ukraine because, of course, people still remember the revolution of dignity that we had in 2013-2014. Uh, people care. People did ask questions about the state of aggression from the Russian side. Many people want to understand why the United States government is keeping sanctions on Russia for the annexation of Crimea. Uh, this is a geopolitical um, challenge uh, and it is important that uh, Americans can get their first information from us Ukrainians who happen to be uh, at Arizona State thanks to the McKean Institute Leadership Program. So changing gears a little bit, uh, I was able to spend some time with you in New York uh, going back a few months now and saw you in action there as well and I was struck by you don't hold back. I mean you ask the tough questions, <laughs> right? You're sitting in a boardroom with a billionaire and you have a tough question or if you're sitting at a not-for-profit in the Bronx you got a tough question um, and you know we're about courage and character and that's what the program you're about but you know where does that come from I mean you you uh, you have no uh, no fear in asking the absolute toughest uh, questions and that's not something that immediately leaps out to me as uh, as a trait of uh, Ukrainians but maybe I'm wrong I don't know tell me well, I think Ukrainians demonstrated that they have no fear exactly during the Euromaidan revolution. Mm, fair point. Uh, at that time, I myself was a um, consultant of the European Endowment for Democracy. And I remember that during those three months at Euromaidan, I had to help my colleagues in Brussels identify Ukraine civil society leaders who were in need of support. And when I met those young leaders, one, some of them became my closest friends uh, in life. I'm very proud that it is at Euromaidan, where I met Hanna Hopko, chairwoman of the Rada Foreign Relations Committee, one of the biggest champions of Ukraine in the West. Uh, uh, so I realized that, you know, sometimes you just have to liberate yourself of this fear if you really want to succeed. Think about those 100 poor souls who were murdered, you mm. know, on February 20th, when our ex-president Yanukovych fled the country. So anytime I find myself in a situation where I feel that something is unjust, that there is some uh, you know, c corrupt deals are going on, uh, that uh, something is not fair. Uh, I, I believe that it's my right and my obligation to defend, you know, to speak up in support of those people who lack their voice uh, and who rely sometimes on us as leaders, you know, who would uh, really stand up and uh, move things forward and to establish more fair, just uh, society, not just for ourselves, but for the benefit of, of all. I, I appreciate that explanation of your your source of inspiration. That's inspirational. Um, you know, for our viewers, I mean, we mainly have this listeners, but we also have YouTube viewers. I'm holding up a copy of John McCain's uh, book, um, the The Restless Wave, and you have it. You've read it, but you're looking to do more than that, right? Yes, I want to translate this book, and I hope that, again, our partners, the U.S. Embassy in Ukraine, will support uh, the translation. Um, this would be the first in a long series of uh, leadership uh, books that I hope to translate in the last 10 years. You know, I, I plan 
long term. Right. Uh, so I want this book to be kind of inauguration of the bigger publication project. Uh, John McCain um, has included a chapter in this book which directly relates to Ukraine. He remembers his visits uh, to Ukraine during Euromaidan, although he'd been to Ukraine even earlier than that. I remember sitting in the same room with him immediately after the Orange Revolution in 2005 mm. when he came with a big uh, senatorial um, delegation, which also included at that time Senator Clinton, Hillary Clinton, right. and I uh, at that time worked at the U.S. Embassy and interpreted the meeting with the then Prime Minister Timoshenko. So I was already inspired by John McCain uh, when I saw him in person in Ukraine. But here he talks about something much more dramatic because he remembers his experience meeting with Euromaidan protesters at, at the Maidan Square in Kiev. He remembers his meetings with um, the opposition leaders who later became one of them was our ex-president Petro Poroshenko, Kiev Mayor Klitschko. Uh, and he provides a very honest uh, uh, analysis and uh, evaluation of actions of uh, aggressor state, you know, Russia, the actions of Vladimir Putin and personally, who violate blatantly international order. He talks here about Georgia, he talks here about Ukraine, and I believe that if we translate this book, it will send a very strong signal to Ukrainians once again that in John McCain they had a very strong supporter in the United States and that his efforts, his deeds should not be forgotten, you know, that this should stay as a memory, as his, his legacy has to be promoted. Oh, that uh, that seems you know, super worthwhile. Maybe we can have a moment of cultural diplomacy and education right now. Um, I mean, this was a best-selling book. Do best-selling books uh, in America, not as a matter of course, get translated in Ukraine or not necessarily or? Not necessarily, not necessarily. I see that right now Ukrainians tend to translate more uh, self-study books, like um, how to manage your time effectively, you know, even how to find a husband, you know, <laughs> right, seven right, right. habits of highly effective people. No, this is not an easy read. This book would require from Ukrainians uh, the knowledge of certain background, because here you, you go deeper in the US political system and the US governmental system. It is a big part of this book is devoted to the 2008 presidential election campaign. So this is a scholarly book in a way because you have to have a lot of uh, academic and historical background to fully appreciate, you know, the honesty with which uh, Senator McCain describes and talks about certain things which are related to the U.S. domestic affairs. Um, yeah, I, I guess it just you know strikes me information knowledge. Um, you know, I think to me it's important for Americans to learn, follow, understand what's happening in Ukraine and that region. And many people get small uh, doses of it. And I guess it goes the other way around, too. If you're sitting in Ukraine, it's important for you to, to know and understand and keep up with uh, the U.S. So I guess my point in that is you know, how do you make that uh, flow of information and knowledge stronger and more meaningful or is that that's kind of your work isn't it all we can do is to foster public debate you know meetings uh communication you know between peers uh, you know if the book will sit on a shelf it will be a product in itself for the book to come into life you know it has to be discussed it has to be read loud uh, and it has to be referenced and you know and some points have to be checked so i'm really glad that 
uh, Ukrainians who uh, remember Senator McCain's legacy that they don't only name streets in his honor. You know, the Kiev Municipal Council right, has right. just recently named a street after Senator McCain in downtown Kiev. That they also open libraries like yes. this project in Dnipro, where um, we will have a platform, we will have a public hub, you know, where these things can be discussed and as soon as this book is translated we will also take it to Dnipro, we'll take it to Mariupol, we'll play, take it to Shirokina, which Senator McCain visited uh, just before the Christmas Eve of 2015 I believe, right? When he visited right. it together with Senator Graham. Uh, we will take it to many other places to make sure you know, that the ideas of character-driven and ethical leadership are widely understood and appreciated by Ukrainians, especially young Ukrainians. So you have a plan of action. <laughs> you're taking action. You're continuing to move out. You're next generation, but you've arrived as a leader now. What advice would you have uh, to someone that, that, that wants to kind of keep up along the same line? Someone that listens to this and says, you know, I want to, I want to keep up with, uh, Ukraine or this type of action or take some step uh, towards uh, being more informed or, or helpful or active on this front. What's your advice? Well, the first is probably have no fear. Uh, go for it if you feel that you 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 have something to say, that you have something to do, that something matters to you personally. Uh, read good books, you know, because in our age of digital uh, diplomacy, you know, for information flow, sometimes it's very difficult to really appreciate the value of information. The world of fake news, you know, is growing right. day after day. So, and I believe that only good books can allow us to really stay on track and to differentiate between uh, false narratives and true narratives. And of course, be a very hardworking uh, person because nothing comes for free. Everything you have to earn um, and be a good planner, be a good uh, action plan uh, designer, you know, because otherwise your day will be a complete mess. And that's day after day, <laughs> um, the bigger long-term projects come uh, into life. <laughs> Katja, thank you for uh, being in the arena. We look forward to keeping up with you and uh, uh, and seeing how you progress on your uh, your plans and your leadership. Thank you very much, Luke. It was a real pleasure talking to you. This podcast is produced by Patrick McCann and Justin Kessler. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, tell your friends, or leave a review.